Hello and welcome to Kaiju Curry House. This is episode 119. I'm joined with co-host Paul. You're listening to Joe. And today we are going to talk about the epic story that is The Lost World. But before we get into that, we have to delve into everybody's favorite segment of the podcast, What Have Kaiju Been Up To? Paul, what have Kaiju been up to, sir? Well, let me tell you, Joe, I had a week off work recently and I decided to catch up on some things that I've been wanting to like watch but haven't had a chance to. Whether or not you're going to say it's Kaiju, I don't know. Um, it probably it probably wasn't, but, but Joe, we had Alien Day recently. Yeah, we I did. completely forgot to shout out that. So I decided to re-watch all the Alien shorts they did for the anniversary a little while ago. Those were so good, weren't they? Oh, good. I mean, why we can't have that more often, I don't know. Just give someone the license, do a nice 10-minute short. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, rewatched all of them, loved them. And I also thought, you know, I'm going to watch a film. Which alien film should I go for? It better not be Resurrection. No, it wasn't Resurrection. It was Alien versus Predator Requiem. Oh, that film just hits different once you become a parent, doesn't it? It's so it's so different from all the other films in the fact that it's, I guess it's focusing on almost like teenagers and a kind of love story there. And then obviously everything kicks off and the aliens and predators are there, but it's so strange seeing children being killed. You don't really get that in film very often, but no, they just don't get, there's a chest burster coming out of a child. It's um... so I remember thinking like, Oh man, this, this movie's like, pulling no punches this is this is epic wolf is amazing you know predalien 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 yeah whoa they they are they are fan servicing the hell out of this but post little girl purse having gone through the whole dad process that film just hits different i i just i can't really bring myself to like watch it again you know because like they just had something out for like pregnant ladies in that I think they really did yeah they, they really went. really did and just, again if like you're a parent of a small child it just hits different but i love it I, if it's we're like, still doing this in 20 years i might like change my opinion but you will moment, you will i'm sure but it's yeah. when they, like the little girl's there and the dad's, you know, she screams, there's a monster. And the dad walks in, there's no monsters here, looks to the window, and then the alien just comes through the window and kills him. It's like, that never happens in the films. <laughs> it's just, I love that they've taken things like that and just, just thought, yeah, we're going to do that. We are going to show there are monsters. People that are just going to get supported. was full of fan service. Full yeah. of fan service. Everything that, <clears throat> you know, like a teenage fan of the franchise would want to see it's yeah. in there. It is, yeah. I mean, and, it got slated, but I think they knew their audience and they went for it. And it is a lot of fun. It's just also yeah. quite dark at times. I saw that on Christmas Day when it opened with my brother. It opened and, Christmas Day? In the States, yeah, it did. And we both came back and we both just sat down like, what the hell did we just watch? Like, I, I, I it was cool, but are we bad people? It was, just, <laughs> made it. it was just it was just that dark and on christmas day no less so yeah. festive i'll tell you what though the alien franchise it, its problem is hyper fixation on specific characters 
Mm-hmm. So what you're bringing up with those alien shorts is the alien shorts demonstrated one thing. If you take aliens out of a specific plot point and throw them somewhere else, it becomes incredibly interesting. So Ripley, and then what's Michael Fassbender's character's name? Michael? Or not, I mean like, uh, oh, what's David. the name? I want to say David. David, yeah. Yeah, it's David. So we have a hyperfixation on Ellen Ripley and David and the two aliens plot lines that are canon. And I think that you, I think that we'll both agree the longer that they were let to ride that train, the more they derailed themselves. Yeah. So I really enjoyed the alien shorts and I thought a lot of them were more interesting than the new films. And I have high hopes for the series that's coming out, but yeah, it's, it's, the, the xenomorphs are a really creative plot device, but you have to shake up the context in which they're introduced because I think that they've been in enough films this, at this point that it's just, you, you really need to inject something new and creative into it. And I thought that they were going to do that with the origin films of how the aliens came to be. But at the same time, as much as you want to see that, I think the mystery of where the xenomorphs came from was part of their appeal. Yeah. And the fact that they were created like not so long ago by an Android that for lack of better words had Skynet going on. I feel like it's a bit of a letdown so far as the plot is concerned. Ridley Scott is a brilliant director in so many different ways, but I think that he cheated the audience a little bit there. But I feel like we've 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 spent enough time on Alien here. I mean, like, oh yeah, like, no, I was just just saying I've seen the film um, and yeah. that I've I seem to remember it being hated, but watching, I think you know, this was a lot of fun and it is better than Covenant and and the like. So yeah. It's just, it, it was Alien Day. I enjoyed it. Uh, I also watched Avatar, Way of the Water. That took Ooh, half a day. That? Three hours, 12 minutes. Okay, Paul. No doubt you had to get up and pee during it. How'd you like it? I absolutely loved it. My kids. So gaga for that. Good. It had everything, you know, it was like, you know, it had all the action, but it, you felt such a connection to the characters. And it, it was just, yeah, it was amazing i shouldn't have doubted him you think after all this time who cares about avatar and then you watch it and you're like oh, yeah actually i i can remember now it's just so good he does i don't think i don't film. think jim cameron makes bad films i don't think he does it's just that yeah. they're planning so many more sequels i don't know how if he can keep pulling it off but yeah it was not a disappointment at all it's just three hours 12 minutes is a long time well they shot some of the next ones at the exact same time thus the high production cost so seeing as how it's made that back and made a profit essentially they bankrolled a couple more at this point so so have you seen one of those oh yeah i've seen it i I don't own it yet i mean like it's available to stream now yes it's digitally available but i would like a physical yeah hard copy is where it's at so again this is where being part of the kaiju community scars you for life you have to get the physical release otherwise you don't know when it's to come back around again so having been trained to do that i want my physical release and one of the reasons i want my physical release is so that i can chuck it in the van dvd player when we're going and driving on holiday and and the kids 
Yeah, the kids can zone out for the three hours that we're driving on one <laughs> film. Yay! This is yeah, I want it um, Bad brain 3D working. because I don't think you can stream it in 3D. But it no, was and film. again, it, it's one of the appeals there, the fish swimming around you and whatnot, similar to Creature from the Black Lagoon, which pioneered that idea. But yeah, you want it in 3D. And I hope that there is a Blu-ray at some point. I've been checking all the channels, but no one's really heard anything yet. No, so, it's, it's worrying because like Prey, Prey has never got a physical release, which I would love to add to my collection. And they even did an April Fool's showing the release. Like they did April Fool's, oh, it's coming to 4K and Blu-ray. It's like, don't, don't tease like this. Yeah, so this is the problem that I feel it, it, it's one of those bubbles that's going to have to pop sooner or later. They're going to have to release things so that they are universally available because people don't want to pay so much more for all these different streaming services and have yeah. subscriptions just for the sake of having one or two films. Exactly. I don't feel like too, I, yeah, too many now, isn't there? I feel like it's not fair to the audience at the same time, you know, like the studios and like these companies needing to make the money, you know, to bankroll their efforts, but you you should release the odd like hit thing so that is released like um godzilla singular point it got a dvd release yeah the world did not go up in flames there you go exactly yeah the people that wanted to watch it you know that were obsessed with it probably got you know like net already had netflix or whatever already but then you've already cashed in on a physical release as well there you go it's fine yeah it's fine i don't think that's fine yeah. We detract, yeah. We detract, Avatar yeah. Way of but, Water is great. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's got loads of breaches and stuff in it. Absolutely fantastic, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some bits in the news, but I don't know if you want me to talk about that or ask how you, what you've been up to first. Some bits in the news. Yeah, I heard, like, I I heard some guy got coordinated, but you know, other than that, <laughs> well, they released they released more of the um, new Empire plot details. I don't know if you saw that. Not much. Ooh, they did. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. But um, okay, so. It's the thrilling fifth film in the Monsterverse series. Um, that sees Titans, Godzilla and Kong team up to face a world-ending threat so terrifying that neither could survive alone. So, okay, it's a world-ending threat. It's not just a threat. This is going to end the world. We um, knew that they the were film, team up, though. They knew they team up. It's going to delve further into the histories of the Titans, their origins, and the mysteries of Skull Island and Belong. Uh, sorry, and Beyond whilst uncovering the mythic battle that helped forge these extraordinary beings and tied them to humankind forever. So we're going to be going back, we're going to be seeing Skull Island, and we'll be looking at, I guess, some other Titans and their history, which is good. Uh, And Godzilla X Kong will transport audiences into the unexplored depths of a brave new world of spectacular new monsters, heroic adventures, or inspiring set pieces on a scale unlike anything ever seen before. I mean, yeah, they always say that. But the fact they're going to unexplored depths. Now, is this depths as in hollow they're earth? Hollow earth. Or where we went earth. underwater before and saw Godzilla's... like? They're going to hollow earth. Is it just hollow earth? Well, they're also going to Skull Island as well, and hollow earth. There have probably been some cities for some battles, and potentially back to the underwater. I'm, st- I'm still not going to see Titanosaurus, am I? You might see a skeleton or something. They might throw you a bone there. Oh, it's so terrible what they did to my boy Angulus, isn't it? It's just so terrible. <laughs> that was, uh, at least he was in the film. 
so terrible. And if this is going into the histories of the Titans, perhaps we will see some flashbacks of Angiris. You're no and how, how the skeleton ended up there. Maybe. Maybe. Um, so yeah, there was that. There's um, the Shin Ultraverse thingy of Camden Rider, Godzilla, and Evangelion and stuff. There's a Bandai crossover they're doing. They just did a little teaser video, but they haven't actually announced what it is. I'm guessing it's a set of toys, but... With Bandai toys? No. <laughs> I mean, I just, do they do pachinko machines? I'm trying to think what happens in Japan, but I think that's Konami <laughs> rather than Bandai. So they hype this thing up so much. And then at the back of all of our, the collective zeiss, it has to be like, is there going to be a, like a joint film? Is this all going to come? That's what everyone friends? wants. Well, I don't I know if we want it. But... See, see, see well, we don't all need it because how to get Evangelion and all those yeah, other characters together that's it. It's, in that it's not world, you, you, you can't really do it. But at the same time, we're all just, you're going to do it, right? You're going to do it. You can do it. No, yeah. we're going to tease. Yeah, so again, it's just one of those deals. They've made this universe. It's weird, right? But yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like Godzilla. It's like Godzilla and Gamera. Surefire hit. Surefire hit. They gonna do it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, not gonna happen. Um, and outside of that, if you're a pinball fan. The Pimble FX series, the uh, it's a it's on like Xbox PlayStation, it's just a digital pinball machine game. But they've released a Godzilla pack. So there's three boards. So you've got a Godzilla pack, a Kong pack, and a Godzilla versus Kong pack. So there's just levels or pinball tables themed around Godzilla Kong and Godzilla versus Kong. They look pretty cool. And yes, yeah, so if you like pinball, I think it's like twelve quid to give it a whirl. But um yeah, that's it for me. So, Joe, what have Kaiju been up to? So, last night, uh, Joe and his partner Don went on Netflix, and <laughs> there's a coming soon section, and I have been with Netflix for a long time, and I never noticed the coming soon section. Are you not? No, no. <laughs> it's late. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I go on and I do things like binging Bridgerton, but, you know, <laughs> it's either <laughs> one extreme or the other in my house. But, um, yeah, I saw the Gamera like poster on oh, Netflix, and I was just yeah. like, oh, "It's released!" And then Don's, Joe, this is coming soon. Oh, it's coming soon. Oh, so that was a very sad fifteen seconds. And then, um, what have I? What else have I been up to? It has a. I, did they confirm? Is it Zigra? Is coming to the Gamera series? I yeah, it's Zigra. Yeah, they did. Is that, the one I, is that the? I remember there's a squid and a knife for a head thing. Is it one of them? Yeah. All right, so this the squid is Varus, uh, the knife of the head is Guren, and okay. then Zigra is like the flying shark parrot. Shark parrot. I don't, I don't know Gamera films. If, if, if you that look at Zigra, if you look at Zigra, parrot. it is a shark parrot. That is what it is. Okay. I just, I just coined that, but you know, the more I think about it, the more it makes sense. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Um, other other things that Joe has been getting up to, I've slowly but surely been working on my Draco model that I got, which cool. I'm, I'm going very slowly on it because I want it to be just so, because I'm a stickler for detail like that. Um, other news, I've uh, been 3D printing a few odds and ends, um, mildly kaiju related, 
uh, kind of like this episode, I have been working on dinosaur skeletons and I hope to have life-size articulated dinosaur skeletons soon. Life-size? I'm not going for like a T-Rex or anything, Paul, but you know, like the odd small thing. What's, I don't, apart from the little compies in Jurassic Park, I don't really know of any small dinosaurs small enough to 3D print. So one of them is a Pteranodon skeleton. So two meter wingspan, but that was just going to kind of hang on the uh, ceiling of the garage, you know, where I 3D print stuff. Okay. And then uh, the other one that I have is a Piscidosaurus, which is like a, a, a protoceratopsian or an early lineage ceratopsian. And that really looks like parrot dinosaur, to be fair. Okay. Um, there is like some of the releases I've seen are baby Tyrannosaurus, Compi. Yeah, they they go on and there's like different versions, but you know, I've been, I've been trying my hand with sizing um, my scale prints and whatnot. I've learned how to hollow things really well now. Um, Yeah. And I've been working on articulating skeletons. So on my desk right now behind the camera, I have a thylacine, a one, one scale thylacine skull which I printed and it articulates. So all the joints fit together and everything. So it's really nice in that sense. Um, if you're interested in this sort of thing, Shapeways, not Shapeways, Sketchfab, Sketchfab. Sketchfab is a website that has lots of 3D scans and you can go on, like if you were to type in skeletal anatomy or you know dinosaur skull or something like that, they will have museum scans on there available for you. The Smithsonian also has uh, some really great dinosaur skeletons as well. So I'm not sure if the folks that follow us on YouTube will be able to see this, but Joe has a T-Rex skull right here. Nice. And this is the scan of the Smithsonian Tyrannosaurus Rex skull. I had to do a few things to it um, in uh, my... um, slicing software for my 3d printer in order to make it a little bit more solid i just wanted to have that extra safety factor but it generally will print as you need it so it's good in that sense but yeah you know like these are the things that joe's been getting up to then there is a long-standing um project that i've been working on which is the uh it's a mosasaur diorama which i have been working on since last summer and I probably could have finished it well before now, but um, it's just, again, one of those things where I keep getting distracted. <laughs> so there we are. Um, but yeah, you know, that's generally been what I've been up to, you know, so far as like large dangerous scaly things are concerned. So happy times. So shall we delve into the Lost World? Yeah, and, and just so this isn't Jurassic Park, The Lost World. No, so that's what a we're because I love that film. Lots of people do love that film. It's actually kind of like when it came out, a lot of the critics blasted it, and I think that it had like really big shoes to fill. But at the same time, it all like again, like Jurassic Park, the first movie, it doesn't really follow the book very no. well, and what irritated me to no end when I first saw The Lost World is that the Carnotaurus wasn't actually featured in it. One of the best, one of the creepiest scenes in a Jurassic Park book is the chameleon Carnotaurus. These Carnotaurus come out at night and they have chameleon-like skin, so they blend in with their environment. And one of the great things about 
this trait, what, what was going on with them is that the tyrannosaurs, the raptors, all of the other big predators on the island would avoid that part of the island at night. During the daytime, it was fine, but the carnotaurus came out at night and they're just like, nah. <laughs> so I was always a bit irritated with that. But no, we were talking about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, uh, version of The Lost on. World. Yeah, that guy. So for those of you who may not be literary, um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle came up with another very famous character, one Sherlock Holmes of Baker Street. So most folks are familiar with Sherlock Holmes using his deductive powers of reasoning in order to find the baddies and bring them to justice. He is followed around by his friend, Dr. Watson, and they had numerous adventures. So that character um, was partially based on a, a physician that Mr. Doyle uh, encountered um, who used deductive reasoning to diagnose people. And he thought that was really cool. What if it was used as a detective sort of a uh, you know, detective uh, profession? So he himself was a doctor and uh, he started out in Edinburgh, but then he actually managed to move down to my neck of the woods in Southern England later on. And um, all the while that he was writing <clears throat> these uh, different books about Sherlock Holmes, he was becoming a little bit more and more sick of the character, to be perfectly honest. I, there's just no other way to sugarcoat it. He went on record multiple times, like, I'm tired of writing Sherlock. And at one point, he actually tried to kill, kill the character off. But what he did um, was bring Sherlock back because there was, like, a massive public outcry. I can so, imagine. Yeah. So Edgar Rice Burroughs, um, spoilers here. I don't like to give spoilers on Burroughs books, but major spoiler in this instance Um Tarzan does not get with Jane at the end of the first Tarzan book. And she's actually with another guy. So Burroughs, because of massive public outcry, had to write more Tarzan books so that he would eventually end up with Jane. So um, and it, it took more than one book because the guy that Jane's with is actually really nice and is a stand-up guy and is like a really cool guy in his own right. So, you know, there we go, a little bit off kilter, but anyways, he was tired of writing Tar, not Tarzan, but uh, Sherlock books. So we tried to do is tried to create another character that he could, you know, spin off other stories from. And that character was Professor Challenger, who is the leader of the expedition to the lost world. Wow, so this is back in 1912, wasn't it? Yeah, 1912 was it was first released. And funnily That's enough, funny. it was released in April, 1912, which oh, for, really? history for history buffs, that's the same month the Titanic sank. So a bit of interesting trivia there. Now, where Doyle, Doyle, he wanted like a new character, which was Professor Challenger, but he also wanted like new settings and new like deviations. He didn't necessarily want to do detective stories anymore. So one of his acquaintances um, visited South America and saw the Tepus, Tepus, um, T-E-P-U-I-S is how that is spelled. Hopefully I'm getting it right. But they were in Venezuela. And what these are, are these islands in like the middle plains and or in valleys. And uh, they will have sheer cliffs and then a flat top. And the theory was those tops are so isolated from the rest of the ecology, what would be up there? 
And Doyle was just like, dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Oh, so this is before we knew, as far as he knows, this could have, this could be real. He's, he's thinking, he's using imagination. Okay, what in South America, what could be up on this plateau that we haven't explored yet? And he just thinks, yeah. dinosaurs, so, why not? So we're just coming out of like the Victorian era. Uh, dinosaurs yeah. are still a relatively new thing. The Crystal Palace dinosaurs were still relatively recent. Um, so, and, and then this was a great, era of exploration still there were still discoveries being made komodo dragons silverback gorillas things like that these were still being discovered okay yes so the idea the idea that there were mysterious parts of the planet where things could still come out of the woodwork it was a great potential yeah so he wrote this story and it was in the strand magazine i think it ran from april to november and the other star of the show, um, I should say that Professor Challenger was the main character that spun off into other books, but Edward Malone is our plucky journalist that wants, that needs a story. And it's really kind of funny because what Ed needs to do is impress this girl who thinks he's too boring. <laughs> so yeah, Ed's just like, Challenger, take me on an adventure. And, you know, they get whisked into this thing going to South America to prove this, that, and the other, following a failed American expedition that went there and didn't really come back in the best of sorts, yada, yada, yada. But uh, not to give any spoilers, the thing about this book is it's actually really good. It's aged pretty well, all things considered. And in terms of like being politically correct, in terms of great adventure yarn, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Similarly, a lot to Sherlock Holmes, it gets a lot of things fairly right. And it doesn't like, it's too prejudiced prejudices too much so um in a in a book where we had porters in this day and age it's really nice to know that some of the porters are really you know like great characters that really help the team out um one of the main characters the adventurer he's a guy that takes out slavers so i thought that was really cool um but i don't want to give away too much of the plot because it, it, it is a great book in and of itself. And I really think it's worthwhile for people to read this book, which was so instrumental in dinosaur mythology in the 20th century. So what we will shift gears towards then is the 1925 film, which was the first film of it, you know, which utilized the Lost World plot point. There have been numerous sense, but the 1925 one was of particular interest because the dinosaurs looked so real for the day and age. Yeah, was that the first dinosaur film? It wasn't the first dinosaur film. So Gertie, the dinosaur, was an animated film. And then we're talking like traditional animation animation. Right, okay. So this film was the first to feature live action dinosaurs in live action locations, featured with live action actors. Okay. It was a silent film, wasn't it? That's how old we're going. Yeah. So it's a silent film and it was one of the first pictures that Willis O'Brien worked on where he was capturing real life creatures. So he had done stop motion before, but they were more like ghosts or supernatural pictures. This is, this is the first film where he's doing dinosaurs, something tangible in the natural sense. Sure. So the film was silent, um, and the film was, of course, black and white. Although, fun trick, back in the day, what they would do is you could get some color. The version that I have is green, 
So you could put like different filters on it to give different color effects, you know, suit your fancy, I suppose. And then there would be a record player or a person on a piano accompanying as like, say, the soundtrack. So when we talk about silent as well, this is a book with a lot of dialogue and a lot of text. So what you'll get is subtitles, but the subtitles get like their own full frame. So you get like, I don't know, a minute of acting, and then you get like another minute of like full frame paragraphs to read. That sounds really, it's just bizarre, isn't it? It's a bit, it's a bit jarring tedious and it is jarring for audiences today but you have to understand that this is just the way that it started yeah so um in that it's a 92 minute motion picture so that's a lot of reading which is quite funny in a sense (laughs) so you can find it on youtube you can find it on dvd there are lots of ways this film for the most part is actually in public domain i think 2030 is when Lost World becomes fully in the public domain, which isn't too far away, really. But the film itself set a lot of precedents, set a lot of standards, and the quality of the dinosaurs is often cited to be very high and one of the reasons why the film was so successful and so influential. So the dinosaurs were done by Willis O'Brien, who would go on to teach Ray Harryhausen, or at least guide him through his art. He did, this gentleman did King Kong later in 1933, and the dinosaurs there are spectacular. But in this film, it, like, again, it hadn't really been done before. So when the film came out, Doyle actually went to the American Society of Magicians of which Harry Houdini actually took part in this screening. They showed just the dinosaur footage. Yeah, to the bunch of musicians. And the musicians were, not musicians, sorry. um, Magicians, magicians, magic men. Harry Houdini and his cronies. And they were just like, if this is fake, it's the best fake I've ever seen. So that headline went in the newspapers in like New York and across the country. again. Yeah, again, it was promotion. But, you know, another fun tidbit is this was the first film that was shown on an airplane. How do, how do you know that? I mean, apart from Wikipedia or somewhere. I mean, Wikipedia! But, <laughs> the magic of, yeah, the magic of the internet, we should say. So <clears throat> one of the things that's funny about this, though, is that nitrate films or the nitrate film stocks this was on hmm. are highly flammable. And back in the day, planes were like made out of wood and whatnot. So this was a risky endeavor, all things considered. So, but yeah, they they watched The Lost World um, on a plane at some point. And yeah, they were risking their lives and they probably didn't even know it. But it is fun to uh, think about. So yeah, the film in and of itself is great, but it's the dinosaurs that people remember. And I think one of the reasons that the dinosaurs are so great is because they are taken almost scale for scale as in like skin scales mm-hmm. not weight but they're taken almost directly from the paintings of charles r knight who is one of the most famous paleo artists ever to live like he was a pioneer in the field of creating these amazing paintings for museums that featured dinosaurs and other prehistoric life and what they did was basically lift those dinosaurs out of his paintings and make stop motion puppets of them. Okay. So the dinosaurs 
actually this, this was the jurassic park of its time yeah the the dinosaurs were the most up-to-date paleontological reconstructions that they could get and they work great for what it was we've got great dinosaur fights we've got humans interacting with dinosaurs and running away i mean there's a lot of really fun stuff in here one of the plot points of the book which is a major plot point and i don't feel like i'm give a lot away here but on this plateau there are actually um people there there's a tribe of humans albeit primitive mm -hmm. and on the other side there's a tribe of close to human ape men right. the closest thing that i can equate this to is the 13th warrior where you've got like neanderthals or something close to fighting with vikings so 13th warrior is a great film great book by the way but um, it's called The Eaters of the Dead, if you want to read it. But um, <clears throat> we've got two primitive societies, one decisively um, less civilized than the other, fighting on top of this plateau. And of, of course, you know, British have to muck around with the local politics. It wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be British if they didn't. But um, anyway, uh, that's a plot point element. And it's a major element of the book, but it's not actually featured in the film. We have a guy in an ape costume and the chimp yelling at you know some of the characters but that's as close as they got which it is it isn't really the same thing but given the time that they had to do it and the nuances of the plot i can see why perhaps that was cut the dinosaurs were probably enough but <clears throat> it is a fantastic movie and it, it like you said at the beginning you have to differentiate this lost world from the ones that came after it because it's been done so many times jurassic park the lost world or the Lost World Jurassic Park being one of them. Oh, but I mean, that's got no resemblance to this film, obviously. It's just people interacting with dinosaurs. I mean, it isn't that far well, off. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I sh I'm assuming this film has been remade where they have discovered dinosaurs on, you know. It, so yeah, there there are a bunch of like. It's not genetic dinosaurs in this one. These yeah, are there lost. are a bunch of out now Lost World like film remakes or series that they've done, and then there have been kind of some which are very similar to it one of the like um indie films that came out it's called the dinosaur project oh yeah it is it is strikingly close to the lost world we're finding dinosaurs in a remote region we are looking at them the ending shot is of a plateau which has dinosaurs on it um there are just a few that have like managed to get off that plateau in the surrounding area that people occasionally encounter and it's done with modern special effects. And is that actually that bad of a film? I'd, I'd, I'd recommend it. It takes some creative license with the designs of the dinosaurs, but in a sense, it's taken for account that they probably have evolved since the Cretaceous. So sure. fun times there. But um, of all the Lost World remakes and adaptions over the years, whilst I love and I have, I have time for the 1925 picture, it isn't necessarily one that I'd go and rewatch over and over again, but there was one done by the BBC, which I will cite, which actually has Bob Hoskins as Professor Challenger. Okay. And I think Bob Hoskins makes a great Professor Challenger because when Doyle wrote Challenger, he didn't want him to be Sherlock. He, he just out and out was not in favor of writing that character again. So when you get challenger challenger has like this big scruffy beard he's loud he's vocal he can be you know downright violent at some points he he's a very 
rowdy character, whereas Sherlock is very artsy, refined, um, perhaps high, you know, depending upon you know, who you're asking. <laughs> Kids ask your parents. But anyways, <clears throat> um, Challenger is a very different character. And I think Bob Hoskins plays him very well. Um, the other things that uh, are done quite well with, it's basically a, I think it came out in 2002 or thereabouts, and it's using the walking with dinosaurs CGI models. Okay, yeah. So the, the dinosaurs look, look pretty, pretty darn good. Yeah, they look pretty good. But the other thing that it does is it takes into account, again, the warring factions on top of the plateau. And it introduces some characters and changes others in a way that I think is very tasteful. So um, one of the characters that it introduces is a uh, mission, missionary, priest, cleric, something like that. But it, it's, it's um, a Christian man who's basically preaching to the local tribes down in South America. And he is kind of he's kind of gone off the deep end but when you realize that he's been to the plateau solo and then come back down with it having been a man of faith and having seen like the eight men and everything it's kind of shook his faith and thus shook his sanity a bit and he's responsible for them getting stuck up there and is ultimately responsible for a lot of like the heartache should you say in in in, in that story That's but what is also take though to have a man yeah, so, go up there and see these things with like, oh no, what well, I devoted my life well, he, to he, the impact. Yeah, he he basically tries to close off the entrance to it, and then you know I think his his big line is like that place. If if man was creating God's image, what was that place created in? So you know, yeah. devil. So like we're gonna cut that off. He sees his mission to like keep people away from it, but in the book, his character is play or his character is a slaver who's trying to get revenge on the fella who takes them out. And the way that they get onto the plateau is there's a spire nearby with a single, like a spire of like stone that's like kind of broken off from the plateau. If you're on YouTube and you see the background image, you can kind of see what I'm talking about in my, um, in my image. But there's the spire of earth and they cut the tree off and the tree lands so that it makes like a natural bridge over the plateau. In the book, it's the slaver that tries to kick this over the ledge so that they're stuck there. In this uh, series, this mini series, which is only two episodes, it, it, it's this holy man. <clears throat> now, his daughter is an introduced character, but it works really well. So I'm going to spoil this. I'm going to spoil a, a, an element of the original story here, but it's so that if you encounter one or the other, at least you get a happy ending, you know, for it, because they do give one of the characters a happy ending. So spoiler now, Ed Malone, he goes to this lost world to impress a girl, right? Yeah, sure. So he's too boring. That's basically what she says. So he goes on this incredible adventure, plucky guy, does his job, comes back. His girl is with another super boring guy it's like i decided i didn't want adventurous what which again it's just like one of those things where it's like tarzan not ending up with jane or whatever like ed has gone through a lot he has done like a lot of romantic gestures like 
first person to see stuff, you know, like gets to name it. He names landmarks after this girl that he's just in love with and doing this thing for, yada, yada, yada. But when he gets there, she's just not interested. And in the book, he goes back to the Lost World. Now, in this miniseries, Priest's daughter thinks like, oh, that's really romantic and yada, yada, yada and everything. And when Ed sees his Gladys and she's with the other guy and whatnot, he's just like, uh-huh, that stinks. And, you know, like he doesn't have it out with her or anything. He doesn't have it out with the guy. He takes it really well. British step up her lip if I ever saw one. And then, you know, like the, pre- the holy man's daughter, which has come to England, you know, to report findings and stuff like that. She's like, all right, well, I'm going home now. And then Ed's just like, I'll join you. And they end up being a couple and it's happy times. The two adventurers that grew close together, yada, yada, yada. It's a feel good ending. It's great. Um, The ending of the lost world is fantastic as well, by the way, in both the, in most of the films and in the miniseries and in the book, because they do bring something back from the lost world and it causes a ruckus, which is great. So that's, that's fun there, but yeah. So it's a great book. There are a lot of great films, but the two that I've shouted out here in this episode, I feel like those are the two that you should really go after. And then if you want more, you can find them. So the Challenger book series, that's the other thing. So we have the Sherlock Holmes book series, but Challenger didn't take off in the same way. So he's only in like four or five books and you can't find many of the other ones in actual physical print. You can find them digitally, or perhaps maybe there's a print-on-demand service. Amazon's always expanding that. But The Lost World is really the only Challenger book you will routinely and regularly find that is accessible. So I just want to make you know our listeners aware of that. But yeah, I would give the BBC version of The Lost World uh, a glance if you're like Paul and you like CGI and all that. But I also think it's kind of like the better version because as much as it is like a great art form and you're witnessing history and all that to see the original 1925 version it's not the same like, I, it, I, it, it yeah. would drag it drags so i couldn't spend over an hour watching a silent film i'd watch like a clip just out of curiosity to see what it's like but yeah more than an hour it's an hour and a half yes well it's 92 minutes long according to wikipedia it's 106 minutes long Okay, there there are multiple versions actually but because there have, there were deleted scenes and whatnot as well. So that could be the so, yeah, that's the uncut version. But still, that's that's a long time to watch a film. That's, yeah, that I've got to read. Well. To be fair, though, it was it was like it, it was a successful film. So oh, yeah, no doubt. But it was a so hundred years old, nearly. Yeah, it, I mean, like it, it's it stayed with us. But I mean, the film was made on a budget of seven hundred thousand dollars, and it made one point three million. Yeah, that's what it's which in 1920, 1925, good going, you know? <laughs> so it's great from that sense. And I think that, the, again, there are many aspects of the story which have aged well. Uh, it's not like The Lost World isn't like one of those books where it was about a political issue. It was about a scientific issue and people working against nature in, over, in, in order to like overcome so 
you don't get a lot of the political, socio-political, you know, like things that kind of leach their way in and don't age well. So I think it's a great book. It's not a very particularly long book either. Um, Doyle takes some getting used to because he has a particular writing style. So you have to be in it to win it when you read that book. If you've read Sherlock Holmes, then you're going to have no problems. Some people have a lot of um, success with audiobooks and Doyle and Victorian style literature. So that's a recommend. You can find that on YouTube. Amazon does it. There, there are paid and free ways to listen to The Lost World. And most of them that are free are okay because, again, this is predominantly public domain now. So <clears throat> don't feel like you're cheating anything. And so far as finding the 1925 Lost World film, you can find it on YouTube. You can find it on multiple streaming platforms. Um, Internet Movie Archive will surely have it. And again, because it's just been out there for so long, there are different versions of it. You can pay perhaps to have a better version or a cleaner version or a longer version. But just be aware that you aren't particularly breaking a lot of rules when you look at that film online. So you don't have to feel guilty about it. Now, the newer BBC version, Prime is the only real way that I found that. It's a little bit harder to score the disc versions now. But I did recently see that at HMV, so I know that they're out there. So it is available. Yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was looking. So the, the 1925 film and the 1960 film, they seem to be yeah, the main up. theatrical releases. But then so there's a there's a TV series from 1999 to 2002. So three-year TV series that you could find out. And then, yeah, there are lots of, like, direct-to-TV ones. There's even one about, like, The Asylum, which we just know isn't probably... Yeah. All, I think I mean, they're all loosely based on the idea of finding dinosaurs. So it's it's yeah. not really The Lost World. Yeah. So there's really, there's really true two true films and a TV series that are... I mean, one is literally called Sir Arthur Doyle's The Lost World. So it is, it is that. Yeah. It is a fun yarn. And it is, like, the great great granddaddy of kaiju films yeah so i mean like obviously like this film gave willis o'brien the mojo to do king kong which inspired numerous other people obviously harry hausen who made beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms who then inspired um you know the folks that made godzilla so I mean, like, I mean, Ray, Ray Bradbury, you know, like, cited the Lost World and like the Sound of Thunder. I mean, like, even the paleontologists that are in the Lost World, like, some of their names crop up in Jurassic Park and are referenced there. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, as actual paleontologists. So, like, again, there are a lot of like creators who fondly recall their interactions with the Lost World and how it shaped them. So, it is a classic in its own right. And I don't think it's ever going to really go away. So long as dinosaurs are with us, people will always remember the lost world. Oh. And it is like the dream of adventurers, really. I mean, the land that time forgot owes a lot to the lost world, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so it's just, it, it's the inspiration, isn't it, for things that came. And it's definitely worth... It is the benchmark. Looking right? at, from a historical standpoint, just to see... Just go on YouTube and find a clip if you don't want to watch the whole film, as you said. But I think, yeah, I think that's um, it's good food for thought there. Something to our, for our listeners to check out. Absolutely. So I haven't seen it or read it myself. So, Joe, thank you for carrying this episode. 
<laughs> but the repository uh, for all things dinosaur. I will, yes, I will take it. As yeah. always. If nothing else, do like myself, and I'm going to go on YouTube tonight, and I'm going to find a clip of the Lost World and see what a, a 1925 silent film of dinosaurs looked like. Um, and then completely modern, Ultraman season three has just dropped on Netflix. Which in the past few days, I think it was the 11th of May it dropped. So this is the final series of the Netflix animated trilogy. I was a bit disappointed with season two. I absolutely love season one. And I just want to see how they wrap it up. So go check that out. Um, Joe, if nothing else. So if you want to see the old school Lost World, like Paul says, you can find it on YouTube. It is on YouTube. I can confirm that in multiple sources. If you type in Lost World 1925, you're going to get it. Cool. What I will recommend is either purchase or stream the BBC version of The Lost World. It is two episodes. It is roughly three hours long. It does a stellar job. Um, but what I will also uh, give you is read it or watch one of those two. But if you have the Moxie, uh, Apple TV's Planet Dinosaur season two or dinosaur planet season two is coming out later this month may and it is the most accurate dinosaur documentary thus far and i've seen season one i have met the lead paleontological advisor it is fantastic stuff accurate stuff and you've got the the makes of the the best of both worlds you've got the traditional lost world experience and then later this month if you use your free trial for Apple TV, you can watch the most up-to-date version. So you have those options available to you now. And I think it's a great time to be alive if you're a dinosaur fan. So I will give those. Very cool. I like that. Yes, we've got something from 100 years ago, and then we've got something literally coming out now. Yeah. Ah, dinosaurs. It's great time to be alive. There's always going to be someone that loves dinosaurs. It's never going to go away. It's great. Yeah, dinosaurs are cool. Well, there we go, folks. And uh, thank you for listening to us today. It's been a joy. And as always, keep it kaiju. And of course, the, the stop motion dinosaurs, of course, were, of course, animated by the great Wilson Bryan. Um, but uh, someone who doesn't get as much credit is a man called Marcel Delgado, right? And uh, Wilson Bryan saw his sculptures and hired him on to design pretty much almost every single dinosaur puppet that you see in that film. Um, and Marcel Delgado also went on to go and do King Kong not long afterwards, right? So, uh, fun fact, who did Marcel base his dinosaurs on? It goes one step deeper, actually. Charles R. Knight's uh, drawings. Charles R. Knight.